Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with singer and keyboardist Lydia Dudley. We caught up with her about her debut in new 2023 CD called Rise Up. It's a jazz-based music that sometimes crosses over into soulful R&B. She leads Jazz Expression, a versatile group based in Raleigh, North Carolina. This new project came about through a grant from the Chamber Music America for female band leaders that included a mentorship with the great singer Carmen Lundy. She is joined by a stellar cast of musicians making a a very tasty album. We cover the story of her music career, this album, and so much more. Enjoy. Hi, Lydia. Hi, how are you, Joe? I'm wonderful. How are you today? I am doing good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for seeking out. It's it's always so good to get new artists on the program, so I appreciate it. Yes. Where are you coming out of? I am in Raleigh, uh, Youngsville, North Carolina, but near Raleigh, North Carolina. Okay, excellent. I'm, well, I'm probably, as you know, I'm in Kansas City, Missouri. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, it's great to meet you. And I want to begin our conversation before we get into the new album by covering what artists had to go through for the last three and a half years or so, which was COVID. How did you survive the pandemic? And how good does it feel to have new material out right now? Well, you know, the grant was a lifesaver for the pandemic because, um, you know, I has, we had all had gigs lined up. One of the really wonderful gigs I had lined up, Nina Simone's high school class was doing a reunion and they wanted me to come in and do an hour of her music. But once COVID hit, everything shut down. So when I got the call and at the end of 2020 saying that, you know, I had received the grant, that was that was a lifesaver because it gave us something to focus on. So talk to me a little bit about Rise Up. What were the artistic forces that went into the project? Was it kind of fueled by living through the pandemic? How, how did it come about? So Rise Up, pretty much uh, several things happened. Number one, we know we had civil unrest, you know, kind of racial situations going on. The next thing we had COVID. Um, you know, uh, our bass player lost his aunt, his favorite aunt to COVID. Uh, my guitarist had uh, cancer. He developed cancer. And then I had an opportunity. Uh, my job as an accountant shut down and I had the opportunity to go to a psychiatric facility for teenagers. They lived on campus and asked me to bring some music in. So I taught like songwriting classes. Oh. So all of those different experiences affected our, our writing. So if you listen, and the music was written in 21, we recorded in 22. So we're just now releasing it and it's still relevant, you know, to what's going on today. Yeah. If, if creatives couldn't find a way to create during that time period, <laughs> they probably needed to find something else to do. Yes. <laughs> right, right. I mean, everything was happening. That's so, true. so talk to me a little bit about what you're ultimately hoping the listener gets from this album. Well, the opening song is Let's Do the Work. So it sort of opens up with a call to action to say that no one person or no one group can achieve what we all sort of desire generally to achieve is, um, you know, a balanced system, um, working together, um, you know, and the fruit of hard work, you yeah. know. Um, so we open with that. Um, we, we, uh, my bass player wrote rise up, you know, politically, there are just a lot of injustices just across the board. 
Um, and it's always been like that. So this is nothing new. We're just bringing light to it. But again, it's a call to response to the individual that we all have a responsibility to rise up. Um, then you have a, a sort of a ballad with a boss of feel. I saw your smile. Um, when I worked at the psychiatric facility, um, the teenagers don't smile, you know, and it was always when I went to class, where's this person? Where's that person? They attempted to commit suicide. That, that was like always. So when I did the songwriting, taught them how to write a song, recorded them on site individually, and then I had listening parties. At the listening parties, it was the first time I saw teenagers smile. They complimented each other. The, the peer feedback was amazing. So it was like, I saw your smile. A simple smile changed the trajectory of someone's thought pattern. Yeah. And then the last song, um, these are the key songs. New Feelings is from my guitarist who had cancer. Now he's cancer free. And he's like, I can't take things for granted like I used to. So that song was birthed out of that experience. You know, it's interesting. A part of the allure of like the 60s and 70s was that artists really were on the forefront of social change. It wasn't just a bystander kind of a thing. And they were really kind of rallying people. And I like that. I don't think it's I mean, I've had a lot of discussions about it. I don't think that it's I mean, it's obviously a choice. It's not something yes. that everybody has to do. But I think it's mm -hmm. very good that there's this historical document during this time because there is still a lot of tumult. There is a lot of political divisiveness. There's a lot of rights that have been stripped away from a lot of people that should have never had their rights taken away at the begin with. Yes. We are living in yeah. bizarre times. Like the fact that we've reverted so much after eight years of Obama blows my mind. Like mm -hmm. all of that has been repealed. <laughs> Why? It just yeah. doesn't make any sense. So I think the artists getting out there and making sure that people understand what's going mm -hmm, on, putting mm -hmm. a mirror up is a really important directive, I think. Yeah. And it's risky, you know, yeah. so sometimes you have an artist that um, I did a, a kind of a politically charged song. What you going to say? It was a rhetorical question. Are you voting blue for the left, red for the right? What you going to say when a crime is committed? Was he black or was he love? These are just common thoughts that we think. And I mean, I have done uh, shows where I've had background singers say, I work in a political office. so I really can't sing this particular song on the on the stage without getting in trouble with my job. So um, and it's not to say one side is completely right or one side is completely wrong because we have to look at individuals. But it's like you as an artist, you take a risk if you get if you get too in on the front line with it because you can be marginalized or mm -hmm. penalized or, you know, so. It's art. Some people will like it and some people won't. Yeah, you know, that's for sure. So how did this journey into the music begin for you? Where were you born and raised? How did the journey happen? Sure. I was born in Cleveland, Ohio. OK, uh, I am. a am a Baptist church baby. We lived upstairs from our church. My mom was a musician and my dad was a trustee. So I got a degree in accounting first. And then I went back to school and studied music. So okay. that goes to show you that we are affected by our environment and what we see. My mom is 80. My dad has passed on. My mom, she still plays uh, for her church. So, uh, you know, so I've always been, you know, kind of gospel music, uh, contemporary music. Um, but pretty much I'm going to say about the age of 35, I'm going to say about 20 years ago, 
I just, I was living in Atlanta, working for a CPA firm, working on getting a C, my CPA, but I felt a calling to music to really try to study it instead of just be on the outskirts, play a little bit here or there. So I wound up moving to Raleigh. I had visited, you know, a few times and liked the area. And I started a journey in 2003. Um, my teacher, a little Italian guy who always would tell me he, he's going to cut me off at the knees. He was, I said to him, someone gave me your number. I want to learn. And he said, I'm the guy you're looking for, but you have to commit to my system for five years. So I was like, I don't know if I can do that. But ultimately I did. And so while I worked, I just took one class a semester of jazz and I took piano lessons on the side. And it's still a journey, but I wound up getting a master's in jazz composition. And so uh, I, I struggled with the performance and uh, playing part and then because of my job, I couldn't get into big band because of my schedule. And so I sort of fo focused on writing and small combos. And so uh, I don't, I don't, COVID, like I said, I, I'm still not up to the level of giving, gigging where I was, yeah. but I have a fantastic group of guys that I work with who gig all the time. And so just that partnership helps me get the expression out. And um, it's just been a, a wonderful journey. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's been a journey. So who has been kind of influences for you in the way that you approach jazz and music? So if you listen to my music, you're going to hear a strong undertone of gospel, a gospel feel. Um, so I, I never was a jazz listener until I went to my teacher I said, I believe I want to do this. Then he turned me on to Lenny Tristano. He turned me on to uh, Lester Young, you know, um, transcribing, you know, Charlie Parker, you know. And so my goal was to go in and ultimately become a studio musician, a session musician. But I kept hitting this wall until a friend of mine who knew me from church said, you know, maybe you should sing. I said, but I'm not a jazz singer. And she said, but I think your playing and your singing would be a better match. And so once I tried that, it worked out. And so uh, I'm still learning. And of course, I enjoy Ella and Sarah and all the different great vocalists and Dee Dee Bridgewater. Um, but, I, you know, I'm still in that stage where I'm 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 being myself, but I'm listening to these different influences to to carve out my, my own path. The one thing that's very important in the development of whether it's a musician or even a fan is those live experiences. What was the first real solid live jazz experience that blew you away? Oh, man, la, la, la. let me think. And if it wasn't um, the first, just one that really stands out that, yeah, really swayed you. I'm going to tell you the first song that I listened to that helped me connect was through, oh, well, well I lost his name. He did Stolen Moments on the Piano. I, I can't even call his name. But Chick Corea came to the school I was going to, UNC, Chapel yeah. Hill. Chick Corea came and did a workshop. I was almost, because I started late in the game, I was almost more influenced by the workshops than I was live concerts. Sure. Because in the workshops, I got to hear about the journey. You know, um, you know, I wasn't, here I am. 
20 years older than my classmates, you know, and I'm, I'm taking music one-on-one, you know, and jazz combo, you know, it's like, I look young, but it's like, I'm like the age of the teacher. So I need to come from a different angle, yeah. you know? And so those workshops, you know, we had some guys come from the Lincoln center. It was a couple of horn players that just came in and just was on our case, you know, about what we needed to do. And then this last experience with Carmen Lundy, and I did go get to see her, but I understood her better after she did six sessions with us. I understood her music. And so when we did, we did our CD release concert Sunday. The first thing I did before we performed is I showed a clip of our process. That was like a five minute clip. So it gave the audience a better understanding instead of us just coming out killing tunes we told the story first. So those workshops have changed my approach to how I deal with my audience because everybody's not a jazz listener. And because I wasn't, that's in my mind when I play. My husband said, you know, well, what is the purpose of all these 16th notes? You know, all these crazy things you guys are doing. And so now I have that in mind, like, okay, I need to tell the story first. What's the message behind the song? And then when we deliver the song, it's better received. So I kind of feel like my music, when I write and do things, in my mind is the non-jazz listener or the person that may listen to only a certain genre of music. And my goal is to say every all music has a story. And so when you hear good music, you just hear good music. You don't think about the genre. When you tell a story, it's not a hundred per- year old person telling a story. No, it's just a good story. Yeah. So that's sort of my approach. But the workshops that I've experienced through the classes that I've been in, uh, Jimmy Heath, you yeah. know, Gary Bartz, um, just different people like that. I- I've gotten more out of the workshops than the concerts. Yeah, that's great. So in this journey, obviously, you know, you're hitting this later in life. You clearly love it. It's a part of your your fabric. What do you like the best about being a professional musician? You know, all of these aspects. You got an album coming out. You play live. You know, you educate. But what do you look forward to the most? Number one, I love people. So music for me is just an instrument. It's a tool for me to meet different people from different walks of life. Uh, When I went to work at the psychiatric facility, I got to meet a lot of teenagers. So it's like my, I feel like my tool, number one, when I teach songwriting, everybody's a winner. I know how to find a way to, to raise everybody up to there's no great eyes and little use. And then being able to take music, you can sing at a nursing home, you can sing at a hospital. It's a gift. And so for me, the idea of the gift being able to be given in so many arenas is uh, an incredible blessing. So at the end of the day, you clearly love jazz. Tell me why you love jazz. I love jazz because it gives me an opportunity to communicate what's in my soul. So even though there is a structure, even though there's the head, but when you get to the point of improvisation, well, maybe I can't do run all of those different scales, but I can put my emotions in those notes in my singing, um, I'm able to share my emotions uh, behind the story that I'm telling. So 
I just think that it's just a wonderful genre of music. And then honestly, there's no right or wrong way to tell your story, you know? And so by me having the training, I know what the tools are, you know, I know the what the rules are. So it's, it's like, but I can really kind of write outside of this, even though I under, I will let you know early in the song that I understand the rules, but now I'm going to depart a little bit to yeah. express myself. So if you could get into a time machine and go back and see a dream gig of any jazz performance ever, where are you going? Man, I got to go back to hear some Ella Fitzgerald. I got to go back and, and hear her with uh, Tommy Flanagan on piano and just being that instrument with with other instruments and having command. You know, uh, we like we like watching football games or musicians or people that can really dominate, can make that instrument do what they want it to do. Um, and it's and it was celebrated at a different level. You know, so just to be a part of that culture, that aura, uh, that celebration, um, that I, I would love something like that. See, one of my answers to that, there's 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 several, but I would love to have seen the very first night that she went to the Apollo and no one knew who she was. Yes. And she blew that room up like they were yes. like, because from what I remember, she was painfully shy, almost socially awkward. Just that's just I mean, she had this and gift. But yes. that's how she was. You, you know, she went in to dance. That was oh, I didn't realize thing. that. Okay, she, she went to Apollo to dance, but whatever group was before her, they danced so well. Oh, that she couldn't dance and wasn't going to do it, and so she wound up singing. That's wild. How history <laughs> plays out. The backstory is almost as interesting as what happened. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. So, so everyone out there has a perception of you, family, friends. Uh, fans, colleagues that you work with, but you ultimately run the show. What's yeah. your perception of you? Who do you think you are? Um, I just think like I'm that kid from Cleveland and I'm trying something new. Um, you know, I'm not where I want to be. You know, it's a lot of things that I wish, but I don't want to miss the journey trying to focus on where I want to be. And so the way I do that is by really cherishing the relationships like with my band members, you know, I'm very close to them. Um, so when I'm trying to focus on how can I give the audience a good show, I'm also focusing on, I want my band members to have a good time because when you're smiling and when you're happy, you're just going to give off a different vibe in your music. And so I think that people can see when we perform together that we really do have a wonderful friendship so you stepped away for a while and you came back in was this always a dream of yours that you always wanted to fulfill is there something more satisfying now having come back to this dream of yours how how has that worked for you so i i've always loved music um when i was small i had a big voice um and enjoy my mom studied classical music. So I really grew up listening to a lot of her classical pieces. So I always thought that I would sort of be some kind of way, find my way classically into music. But then, you know, with jazz, um, 
it, number one, when I heard the history of jazz, I took jazz appreciation. And from that one class, I started a nonprofit because I was like, I've never heard this information before. Yeah. And so my nonprofit is to go to um, underserved communities and teach them the history, you know, of jazz. And so I was so moved from the first class before I even got in any combo or anything like that. So I hope I answered your question. You Rephrase did. It. Okay. Yeah, you did. What's yeah. the best advice you've ever gotten? Man. The, the first best best advice, which I stated earlier, is don't become so consumed with the destination that you meant you miss the moment by moment experiences. Um, and the reason that is really true for me now is when I met my teacher, he said, you got to commit to me for this many years. And then I did that. And then and I took a few classes in undergrad. And when I came back, he said, I said, well, can you pick up where you left off? He said, I won't teach you until you go for the master's program. I'm like, I'm not prepared for that. But he was that was his condition. So when I started working on this album, I went to him. I call him Mr. P. I said, Mr. P, I need help with my album. And so when I went back, he didn't treat me as a student. He treated me like a peer. He was like, what do you want to do? And I didn't like that. You know, I was like, I want you to go back to getting on my case and and telling me what I need to do. <laughs> And I, I came to the realization that I could never recapture that again. Yeah. And so now it's like, if you have a teacher or if you have somebody that's mentoring you, know that that season will come to an end. And now that per person, that professional will treat you on their level. And so we, we move from level to level. So it's like, man, I cherish that time with him so much. You know, he came to the concert. He was like, you're my hero now. And it's like, I can't do anything but accept it because he's not going to let me go backwards. You know, yeah. even though I feel there's so much I still need to learn, but everything has a season. And so you got to maximize the season when you have the opportunity. So if anyone wants to pick up, rise up, learn more about you live shows, where do they go? Where's the best place? They can go to uh, carolinajazzgirl.com. Okay. And they will uh, they'll find my information easily. Thank you so much for reaching out to the show. Thank you for your story. Best of luck with everything. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview. Where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players and minds in North Carolina, Kansas City, and spots all over the world giving fans all that jazz. Thanks to Lydia for her time, energy, and cool. If you want to hear more Neon Jazz interviews, you can find us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to us at YouTube. And for everything Neon Jazz, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Let's work. Neon Jazz.